0: Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. I am here following the 1 1 draw Spurs, joined by Alex, as usual. What's up? And joined by our very special guest for the day, we have Sam Carroll from the Liverpool Echo. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for thinking of me and having me on.
0: Bit of a somber occasion this one. Um, the 1 1 draw aside, we have a lot to discuss. First things first, our thoughts go out to Andre Gomez at this very difficult time after he suffered what, what, What was, by all accounts, a shocking and gut-wrenching injury? Swift recovery to him, but it did not look good at the time. Um, A lot of opinions, a lot of controversy floating around, whether Son's tackle was malicious, whether it was deserving of the red card in general, and then, of course, the collision with Aurier after the fact. So I'll throw it to Sam first. Sam, what do you make of of the injury and the challenge and and everything surrounding it?
1: Uh, I think... Obviously, the, the replays have kind of shown that, you know, it's not uh, it's not like Son has kind of... I don't think there's there's any footballers at, at this level who, who go out and he obviously hasn't slid in with the intent to, to break Gomez's leg and it, it has kind of been unfortunate of kind of... I've never seen anything like it, really, from the slide tackle to then the way his foot's planted to the impact with Odier. Yeah, it's almost like a... You know, it's just so, 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 so unfortunate. But then at the same time, I still think that Son has obviously gone in not to hear Gomez but to foul him and to trip him up and, and and then you don't know what's going to come of that do you so I still think he, he has to kind of obviously he's, his reaction was, was genuine and you could tell he was genuinely upset and, and and inconsolable but I still think he needs to kind of shoulder some of the blame because for as much as he, he hasn't meant to do it he's, he still kind of played his part in it by doing a foul that you know he, it, it was a, he meant to foul him didn't he so you know just so so disappointing and it's a difficult one, really, isn't it? You know that our players have kind, of, kind of had to go in and console Son, but I'd still like to think our players are then getting showered and, and going straight to hospital to, to to see Andre as well, because you know, it's a, it's a terrible injury that now we won't be seeing them until next season at the earliest. It's just heartbreaking.
2: Yes, well said. And and you know, I think I think that if the roles were reversed and that happened, you know, Andre Gomez onto Son. I want to say that Tottenham fans would probably be saying the same thing, right? And and when yeah. we say we see our players every single match doing, you know, the exact same like small, simple foul. I mean, just like Mina on uh, on Delhi Ali, I think uh, maybe ten minutes prior, just running back on a counterattack. and it's it's really unfortunate. And you could see how shaken up both of them were when when they saw the aftermath, you know, and, and obviously everyone came over to console, you know, the players that were closest to, and really, really upset by it. And I think it just kind of swung the match into a really, really weird feeling. And, you know, I, it just brings me to the point where I, I don't care about the result at all. It, it just kind of made me sick to my stomach and it, it makes me feel very remorseful. And and unfortunately, that's, you know, one of the major talking points today.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? The everyone everyone around you, you, it was weird really watching it in real time because when the tackle happened, I remember kind of just like, I, I, I looked and ju- just in that split second, I remember kind of thinking, something doesn't look right. And then I just see, I think it was Coleman maybe, or one of the Evans, just jumping up and down. And as soon as people start reacting like that and players are putting shirts over their heads and heads and hands, you know you know it's a bad one, don't you? So just such, a, such an unfortunate instant and... I just think—I think we spoke about it just before we we came on air that this season is just of cursed is too strong a word, but there's just been something underlying that just hasn't hasn't clicked for us at all. It's it's just so frustrating for something like that to then happen, which is kind of transcends football and, and and transcends even being able to kind of talk about it and put into words that you know as we're talking about this, Andre is obviously lying in a in a hospital bed somewhere and and, and you know probably hasn't even had time to collect his own thoughts. It's it's difficult, isn't it? And from what, what happened with, with Jabamin in terms of getting a pretty serious injury from just having a shot in training, it's just if if this was something that happened to you on FIFA or Football Manager or something, you'd think the game was the game was glitched. But we're having we're having to live through it each week, and it just seems like when are we going to get the the rub of the green that the other teams are seemingly getting? And and this now is just the absolute tip of the iceberg.
0: Yeah, and it comes back to what you said earlier, Sam. I do think. Uh, just to kind of circle back, San does bear some of the responsibility for what happens after the challenge, but I think those claiming that it was, I mean, so he, the issue people are, seem to be taking with the challenge is that it followed wh- when Andre hit him in the face a few moments prior. And so people feel that it was retaliatory or what have you. And yes, that may have been part of it, but I still don't think that, you know, no, no professional goes out. In those circumstances, unless they're one of the most cynical and, and you know almost genuinely evil people, to see an end result like that happen to another player, and you could tell Son was distraught after the fact, and it'll be reviewed and it'll be looked at a hundred different ways, and the images are all all sickening when you see the end result. But the end result ultimately being Andre Gomez out for an extended period of time, possibly most likely the entire season, and questions whether he'll ever be able to regain. You know, come back to 100% are still there. But I think the challenge in itself kind of speaks to a bigger issue, which we definitely want to discuss, which is the refereeing, specifically VAR. But I also feel that Atkinson never really controlled this game the way he needed to. There were a lot of uncalled fouls, a lot of stuff that he let go, which I think opened the door for something this damaging and catastrophic to happen. And also like i mean var completely failed its purpose today i think that is without question the handball one of the most obvious cut and dry you know clear and obvious errors that you could probably ever see is somehow reviewed for 4 plus minutes only to then come away determining that there was no clear and obvious error and the penalty was not awarded and i think that you know sunk took the wind out of our sails a lot and then the andre thing just kind of compounded it
1: i, I think for for me after that game uh I don't know if, if if you remember now when you know the Liverpool derby that time when Clattenberg refereed it and you know there was the Cow tackle on Phil Neville he was like yeah. ten foot off the floor there was the Lescott if Carragher fouled Lescott at the end one of the most blatant penalties you'll ever see that weren't given and you know the Premier League Clattenberg did not do many Everton games at Goodison after that and I, and I think Atkinson will will probably be the same I thought it was one of the most embarrassing pathetic and limp refereeing performances I I can remember being the ground for and I think. You know, it's bad when, you know, people stayed to boo him off the pitch and, and, and that is very, very rare, especially in a game that ended with a positive, on a positive note with a late equaliser. It was just, it wasn't it was it wasn't even a referee in performance. You know, it, it would have probably been, been better if he weren't there at all and, and players just sorted out between themselves. And, and obviously he's not helped, is he, by VAR? And I just think the Premier League at the moment have made such a rod for their own backs because they're, they're obviously standing by it. But... To go from it, it genuinely, you know, I think you you reach a point with football sometimes. You get a bit older, where especially supporting Everton, where for the last few months it's kind of been for me a little bit of apathy. And you know, people have been saying to me, "You know, what do you think about oh, silver?" What do you think? I've just been a bit like, I just don't care anymore because like, you get your hopes up and you, you think we're going to do well, and they just find new ways to kind of destroy your soul. But after the, after this game and after Brighton last week, it's genuine anger and and genuine hate to me on on the insides because you do feel like you're getting cheated and you do feel like we're being singled out to not get decisions our way like it it's it's just a joke isn't it like how can really the the premier league have got a, a surely mortified watching that game live on sky you've got you can hear the fans singing about it from the stands you know and, and making a mockery of it it's the big talk and point after the game you know a, a, a game in which you know two heavyweight premier league teams have just two one one and a player as is, is, has broke his leg, and and the the whole talking point was just VAR. It, it dominated, and it's just it's it's just ruining it. I, I understand offsides because if you're offside, even like with Firmino yesterday, you're offsides. It, it doesn't matter whether it's a millimeter of an armpit or if this technology is correct, then you're offside. But the problem is, is the sending these decisions just to someone else. Like there's a referee on the pitch, and I know he doesn't have the the benefit of a screen, but one man's penalty. Is, is not another man's penalty. So just it, it's it's unnecessary. I'd rather referees in the heat of the moment get something wrong uh, than someone in a room make a decision based on, on what they think. Because at the end of the day, how a football can hit someone in the hand and he's got his hands above his head defending a set piece, uh, it, it, uh, you can't talk about it, can you? How, how can that not be a penalty? That is absolutely disgraceful. And, and as you said, you know, you can't start then saying, "Oh, you know, it was VAR's fault about Gomez, or it was Atkinson's fault about Gomez." Because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a, terrible, terrible accident slash, you know, something that probably could have been avoided if some wasn't flying in like that. But at the same time, I think what you said is right that he lost control of the game, and when you lose control of the games, things like this can happen because you know it, it was just, it was just shocking. I, 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 genuinely felt embarrassed for him, and and I think he should feel embarrassed himself because it was a, it was a disgrace.
2: You know, initially. The whole issue with VAR was the fact that Premier League referees were calling fouls here, there, everywhere. And up until our match, none were overturned by VAR. However, you then hear rumblings on Twitter that after our match specifically, in which it was overturned and given a penalty, they're talking about how, what is the acronym? PMGOL, whatever that long stands for, right? There there were rumblings that PMGOL, has now instructed referees to uh, essentially you start overturning, be less liberal with how you overturn a decision on the pitch. And all of a sudden now it seems like referees on the pitch will not make a call and then it gets to VAR and they're not going to overturn it. And you're wondering like, which, which one is it? Do you want to make a call on the pitch and then let someone control overturning it in the room? Or do you want to not make a call on the pitch and then let someone control the match from another room? <sighs>
1: And, and that's the, that's that's the thing is I, I just think it just hasn't been thought through whatsoever this season and, and it hasn't been tested out enough. And basically, what they're doing now is is running a test across the football season. And, and you know, football is there's more important things than football, but at the same time, and look, these people are are, are are better paid than any of us could could ever even dream of being paid. But it, it's it's going to cost people jobs. It's going to cut. You know, silver could potentially get sacked if we get beat by Southampton, and he could turn around and say we probably would have won that Brighton game if that if that pen doesn't get given. You know, if we'd have beat Spurs, you know, and people are going to start losing jobs. People are going to start stop coming going to stop coming to football matches, and it is all just because this the Premier League have, have decided to put this in, and I just honestly don't get the fact that we've had a game of football for hundreds and hundreds of years, and and it's been you know it, it is is one of if not the biggest sport globally. What why why does this it just kills the enjoyment and even, you know, you're celebrating the Tottenham and goal and, and half in the back of your mind, you're thinking, was Dean offside when Mina played that part? It's just, it's just ruined it, isn't it? And I spoke to someone from the Premier League last week after the the Michael Keane instance, and, you know, it, it just seems very, very, to me, there's just too many grey areas because when I kind of questioned them and said, well, it seemed like Richarlison was quite clearly having a share pull, the the response seemed to be, well, there's different levels of contact with a share pull and it didn't that that one didn't seem to have enough contact but what so what how do you judge contact on a share pull via a video monitor you can't can you so it's it's a flawed system from from the beginning and I honestly just don't want to see I don't really think football is a game for me if stuff like that Michael Keane won last weekend is is a penalty anymore if that's what constitutes a penalty then I don't think football's going in the direction anyone wants to see it go. But then, at the same time, if they turn around saying, "Well, with these new rules, that is a penalty," how did those three penalties—two for Everton and one for Spurs—not get given today? It's just—it is honestly just just so weird, and it is almost like it's a, it's a joke. And at the end of the season, they're just gonna go, oh, we're just pulling your leg." It's it's crap. This stuff, but it's 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 here, and, it, and it's it's ruining. So, eleven games into the Premier League season, and I think it's almost. Universally hated by supporters. And how how are they gonna? How is this gonna carry on? And the Premier League surely have got to make some kind of statement out because that was a, a big televised game on Sky and VAR was was made a mockery of. So i will be very interested to see kind of what the next step is for. It.
0: Yeah, I find it so interesting that VAR is you know prim- the Premier League was actually fairly late to ad- to adopt VAR. They sort of waited for other leagues to trial it and see what went wrong, what worked, what didn't. And yet, even having observed all that, the implementation this season has been so off. It just has completely missed the purpose. And it doesn't, it seems to be more, it just seems to confuse people more than anything else. And the premise of VAR, and I I do firmly believe that there can be a version of VAR that exists that is beneficial to the game, but what we have now certainly isn't. And I just wanted to highlight um, a couple of things I saw on Twitter. There's Alex Goldberg, who does um, a Serie A podcast and a Chelsea podcast, basically just posted a rant where the the premise was, you know, they look at that handball today for four minutes and still make the wrong call. So not only do you have the incorrect call being made, but you have this enormous stoppage in play that interferes with the game. So it's one thing if you do that and get the right call, but when... There's n- the right, wrong call still being made, then there's virtually no point to it being in place at all. And the other thing I wanted to highlight was Mike Goodman, who is the uh, leading editor, stats editor for Stats Bomb, or managing editor for Stats Bomb. And his tweets were essentially saying that, you know, you had a game before VAR where refereeing decisions would be debated for hours or days after the fact. So to have thought that introducing instant replay during the game would somehow just make all of these concrete black and white. Was probably a bit naive, and I think that those both are, are really good points. And I just wanted to to highlight that because I think everyone's feeling very frustrated, even a little sick after the match today. And we haven't even talked about the actual play, which was probably because it was so boring and kind of takes the backseat to all of the the drama that happened. But I mean, we watched a pretty two two sides today that were desperate to get a win, and and I think both feel perhaps a bit fortunate to come away with a draw. <sighs>
1: I think so. So much has happened in the game; it's kind of difficult now to think back and and and, and see, you know, what 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 was what with it, really. But I think for me, I, I didn't pay think it was a it was another kind of lacklustre performance in parts. Thought Tom Davies done well. Yeah, I mean, it was very good. Mm. By the end of the game, he didn't even look like he could run. So will be, you know, it's a little bit concerning to to see what's going on with this kind of knee problem he's got. But you know what one Alex Owo will be mistake really isn't it and, and, and it got punished you know I thought we, we defended it quite poorly maybe Holgate would be disappointed to, to be skipped around like that but you know when an attacker's running at you with pace in the penalty it's difficult but for me it's just it's just getting a little bit concerning that you know you look at what Rodgers is doing at, at Leicester you look you know even though it's horrible to say you look at the early days of Klopp at Liverpool and as soon as he kind of came in the, the you know you could see that there'd been a shift in how they wanted to play and the you know and similar to what Rodgers is doing at Leicester now, there's been definitely a change and he's kind of playing on Leicester's strengths a little bit in a similar vein to what he did when they won the league under Ranieri. But, you know, we are now sitting here almost 18 months into Silva and I don't really see what's changed. I don't really see how how we're we're doing things differently than we were under Martinez and and Koeman. I know Allardyce was a bit of an anomaly, but it's difficult at the moment. And I just think that was still a poor Spurs team and, to, to, to not win that game again today, I just feel like we keep pushing it back and pushing it back, and now we're saying big two games coming up against Southampton and, and Norwich, but they are massive games now because if, if we don't win, you know, we have to get six points in those games, really. Otherwise, you, you were in a in a relegation battle, whatever you say, because we're not going to win those six games in December. You know, it was a nightmare in December, but it's kind of almost funny now to think back to the start of the season when the fixtures were released and we were looking at them and saying, you know, it's all right by the time that december comes round we'll we'll be flying we'll probably got seven eight nine wins in the bag and, and and we'll be pushing and it just hasn't kind of gone the way we thought we would but today's performance i think a little bit like a Brighton. it was just neither here nor there we definitely didn't deserve to lose did we deserve to win probably just just about edged it but still not the kind of performance you'd expect to see when when a team you know the champions league finalists were at Goodison and uh, and we di- we still didn't really turn it up to the levels that maybe we hit towards the end of last season when we went on that run again, you know, drawing into Liverpool and then beaten Chelsea, Arsenal and, and United.
2: No, absolutely. We definitely edged it. I, I think I can say firmly that we probably deserve three points. But but the weird thing about this result, and as we've been saying the whole time, the headlines, which somehow again, VAR is is has overtaken Andre Gomez's injury and, and, and how unfortunate that is. I really do think that the headlines may further delay the inevitable with Silva in terms of his position as the manager of Everton Football Club. And I don't want anybody to take that in the wrong way. I just think that it would look probably terrible and very confusing to to some people across the world if if, if this were to be his last game in charge, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it would be be harsh on Silva given, I mean, the result today, I don't think you can blame Marco Silva. I mean, he certainly shoulders some deserving of some criticism for maybe um, waiting to substitute or what have you. But yeah, like Sam said, the Alex Iwobi error, I mean, there's nothing that a manager can do about a bad back pass that frees the opposition and puts them in on goal. But And, and we did see, and we usually lead the show with this, we did see a bit of a formation shift to the promised four three three that we've been hearing about for now 18 months. And for the start of the game, I thought that Tom Davies, like you said, Sam, I thought he was probably the standout player in midfield. But now with the injury to Gomez, you're looking at a very thin midfield core going forward. And I think it would be really, really risky to part ways with the manager now and try to bring someone in when you've got Jean-Philippe Gabamin out until January and now Gomez likely out for the season. It's it's teetering on an edge right now, Everton's season. Um, I don't know how something like the injury can galvanize a team or help them kick on. but we've got to go again next weekend and the next two games are absolutely vital. Like you said, Sam, because if we're fighting a relegation battle come December, um, the Everton fan base is not going to be a, a pretty one to be a part yeah, of. It's, say that. it's a difficult
1: one, isn't it? Because as, as you're saying there, you know, the, the last one I can really remember, I get, you know, feel, feel audible kind of saying, saying this again about Klopp and Liverpool, but they kind of acted with Rodgers, you know, in, in the sense that they knew someone better was available and, and, and they pulled the trigger at the moment. I think Silver whether he, he'd like to hear it or not, I think he, he is kind of getting a little bit of the rub of the green in terms of who who would we be able to get, who who would guarantee an improvement, you know. And you see people on Twitter kind of saying, "Go and get this guy," "I'll get this guy," and it's a lot of names from abroad who, who you haven't really kind of heard of, and you know they, they could be amazing. They could be next year Alex Ferguson, for all we know. But at the same time, it's a it's a massive massive risk. And what you're what you're saying is correct in that then you would be bringing a manager in mid-season in a relegation battle and saying, you know, two of two midfielders who we signed for 20 plus million in the summer are injured. One's not going to play again this season. You've got all these players out of form. You've got all these lads on the books who we're trying to get rid of still. Uh, and it would be a messy situation at best to come into. And it's just so difficult. But I, I do just feel so frustrated with Silver because, you know, he's a, he's a really, really good guy. And he, he really is. But I just feel like last season was a complete free swing. And he almost got himself sacked there. You know, it was probably a couple of defeats away from getting sacked there. And then even this season, I still think people would have gave him the benefit of the doubt if we'd have kind of mid-tabled it. But, you know, we'd we shown signs of progress. And and we haven't even got close to it. We've, we've actively looked to have gone backwards. And it's just so, so frustrating. And it's almost like history repeating itself in terms of Koeman had a pretty average to slightly positive first season. Went and spent big in the summer. Everyone was kind of getting excited about names like Sandro and Davy Klassen, and when in a few months he was he was sacked. And again, you know, Silva rode the wave in the second half of the season. People were, you know, largely if not universally positive. Come, come the summer, you know, these kind of sexy names like Jabaman and Moist Keane from Juventus, and everyone's getting excited and again. We find ourselves a couple of points or a point above the relegation zone. It's just it's just so so weird. It's, it is just constantly evident. You seemingly like no other team. Get your hopes up and and find new ways to kind of destroy them. So as you said, we've and then again, you know, you say all this and then you think if we win the next two games and then beat Leicester, you're in a cup semi final and you're probably mid table above Man United and Tottenham. So it's probably, it's the weirdest Premier League season in it probably since Leicester won the league. It really is. There's going to be you know Palace and Leicester and stuff should be licking the lips because there's probably a real chance to finish top four this season because everyone else is just so kind of apart from Liverpool so inconsistent they would probably even put Man City in that bracket at the moment they're not operating at the levels they were mm. last season and themselves like Everton have had a few unfortunate kind of injuries so I think that the, the overriding feat I think if Everton can kind of get themselves but whatever happens to this season whether it's a relegation fight or whatever it's just another massively missed opportunity if we just started the season the way we, fi- we finished last season we'd probably now be looking guaranteed to finish in a, in a European place and the more the weeks go on, it's increasingly looking like winning the Carabao Cup is is going to be our only chance of qualifying for Europe because we've quite quickly spiralled in the league, and it's almost like you just kind of look at it. And it's only a few weeks ago we were kind of saying if we won at Bournemouth, we'll we'll be third, and and now we're we're we're, we're playing matches against Southampton and Norwich where you're kind of thinking <laughs> the relegation six pointers and it just wasn't meant to be like this this season. And again, games like today just kind of sum up how how unfortunate we've we've been overall.
2: Yes, I mean, it's only November 3rd, and I've already forgotten until you brought it back up again how promising we all felt during the summer when we were signing all these big name players and how exciting it was. And, you know, everyone just waving a, a happy goodbye to Ghana Gay as he went to Paris, thinking that we would be covered and we'd be good. And we had all this amazing talent coming in. And now, you know something else. I don't. I don't know if y'all saw it or not. But then I heard that Delf pulled up with another hamstring injury, literally really? in the last minute of the match today. So not only do we not yes. So not only do we have uh, two long term injuries in the middle of the pitch, and Sigurdsson far out of form. Uh, Delf may be missing next week also. So you know it could also be another another stint in the first team for Benny Beningame, who. By the sounds of David Unsworth this week, it seems like uh, he is confused as to why he hasn't been more involved already. Um, but nonetheless, I, I don't know where we go from here or, or what the fix is. I still feel like maybe it won't be smart to part ways of Marco Silva in the middle of the season. Uh, as long as we're not sitting in 19th place with with you know seemingly little hope, then keep him, let him kind of fight through the rest of the season and, and, and then from there figure it out in the summertime. I think
0: that's – I mean, I – I agree with a little bit of what both of you are saying. I mean, I still think it's premature to sack Silva, but I understand why people are fed up with seeing the same thing week in, week out. Seemingly no change or adaptation and just the complete inability to to right the ship when things start to go wrong. I think that's where a lot of fans' frustrations lie. I did want to just touch on one last thing before we wrap up here, and that is because it's causing quite a stir on Twitter. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino after the match Made a specific point to mention the fact that Seamus Coleman came into their locker room following the match to console Hyung Min Son about the injury to Andre Gomez. And a lot of people are calling it soft and why, you know, indicative of, of Everton, why we never win things and saying Silva should be tearing it up in the media, blue in the face about VAR and how we're being hard done by. For me, and I'll get go to Sam after this, but for me, I I just think that for Coleman, as a human being, having gone through what he did, he can certainly relate better than ninety nine percent of people in the stadium or even on the pitch, or and certainly on Twitter, what you know how that player feels, um, you know when and you can go back to Solomon Rondon on McCarthy. It may be not the most apt analogy, but. My point being, I think that Coleman was right to do what he did because you could see how distraught Son was, and you know that there was nothing in it. But I also understand fans feeling that Everton maybe need a bit more of an edge.
1: Uh, it's a difficult one. As I was speaking about it after the game, I think obviously it's Coleman is is in that position, and, and we'll obviously know a lot more about it. And I think you know he was there for, for James McCarthy when when something similar happened against West, West Brom a few years back. But you know, I do also kind of agree with. with what I kind of loosely seen before I came on here is that you know it. Why, why was the why was the some players just kind of chatting to the Spurs players while Gomez was down? Why weren't we all kind of either round them or you know? And I didn't even really see anyone. Okay, some was inconsolable, but what? Why didn't someone go over and, and kind of say, "At the end of the day, you've still gone into you've gone into foul, and and this is cause of you." And you know and. And, and say so, and I didn't see any of that. And, and I do generally think that 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 uh, I've got no issue with Coleman after the game, but uh, I was a little bit disappointed to you know. And know lads going international, juice together, and, and and everyone kind of knows each other. And you know, I, I, I get it that while the medical team are thinking with, with with Andre, you're not you're not exactly going to be helping by kind of standing over him or, or standing around him and stuff. But it, it was it quite odd really to see the the the, the play our players kind of just talking to the Spurs players because whatever has happened, the Son has still gone into foul Gomez and, and it, it's a result of, of his action that, that what happened, happened, so I do, I do think something we've been, weirdly we were talking about before the injury at half time in that two perfect examples were, were Tim Cahill and, and Phil Neville and, and both I think would always admit these weren't the, the most talented players but what they had at Everton was that they, they, they knew how, how the crowd worked, you know, obviously the most famous example was Phil Neville's tackle on Cristiano Ronaldo, at that time, you know, we were playing terribly. I think we were struggling to We were 1 0 down to like the Man United Sir Alex Ferguson team. And he goes and does a, a tackle on, on Ronaldo kind of when the ref had already blew his whistle and he totally knew what he was doing. But after that, you know, the crowd absolutely went berserk and, and almost sucked Maro and Fellaini's equaliser in. And Kale was the same. I think Kale was always kind of one to, you know, he might pick a fight with someone or. You know, we'll, we'll throw himself around or, or put a tackle into to lift the crowd and at the moment there, there is just too many too many lads in that team who would, who would just think ah a little bit too nice and you know I think the perfect example is is Michael Keane and you know, he really came into his own last season but almost seems like a, a confidence player and I've, I've never known that in a centre-back before you know you want your centre-back to be to be horrible and, and throwing his head in and you know you, you don't have to be a psychopath and you don't need to be getting sent off every week. But I thought maybe like Phil Jagielka was the perfect example, just a player who, you know, no one had ever really messed with him and but he was he was aggressive in in the right way and he channelled in the right way. But I think there's too many lads out there who in this couldn't team who, who are either too nice or, or channel it in the wrong way. Almost like I think with Charlison today, he was getting frustrated with himself, but then and, and with the decisions that weren't going away, but then weren't kind of using his energy in the right way then and was spending a lot of time kind of rolling round and, and seemingly feeling sorry for himself. So I do generally think that's something that needs addressing within the club that we need more kind of leaders on that pitch and, and people who, who who know how to kind of just, just work the head of, of, of the fans and, and, and the other team and and, and just be horrible sometimes when it's needed because it's 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 Premier League football. But you can still, you know, Sean Dice has almost built a career on it, Bainer, you can still get results in this league by by getting in people's faces and, and seeing if they're up for the fight. And I just think too often this Everton team isn't up for the fight.
2: Yes, and you know what? I think I think Cenk Tosin offers that attitude, to be honest. I've always really liked Cenk Tosin. I feel like he embodies what Everton is supposed to be and exactly what you're talking about. He's always up for the fight and he's not afraid to argue and he's, and he's very passionate specifically about Everton, you know, cheering with the fans today. But unfortunately, I, I just don't know how we get them to change. I think there's nothing wrong with consoling the, you know, the players that saw it and felt responsible and that sort of thing. But nonetheless, it's it's unfortunate. I think we could probably sit here forever talking about how sickening the match was, the result was, the headlines, the implications. But either way, Sam, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, it, was, it was awesome to have you on um, really, and, really, and hopefully yeah, you enjoyed it you as well. Thank
1: you for thinking of me and, and have me on it. I enjoyed it.
0: All right, folks. That's going to do it for us. Big thanks to Sam for coming on the show. Bit tough, tough times for Evertonians everywhere. But we go again next week, and we'll catch you guys uh, midweek for our pre-match episode. Until next time, up the toffees.